Michael, you could handle that. Everybody, welcome Michael up. You guys have your Bibles or phone. Could you open to Psalm 19? I'm going to do something that my former pastor did, and that's odd and even. I'll start with the odd. You guys repeat on the even. It's Psalm 19, starting with verse 7. You guys got it? Okay. You you hear me okay? You guys hear me? All right. Yeah. You have to be a loud one like me or you have to use a microphone. (laughs) All right. Bless God. Verse 7. I'll start. You repeat verse 8. We'll go to we'll go to uh, verse 11. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, right. rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just ask that you would sanctify us with your word. Your word, Father, is truth. Amen. All right, we're going to be uh, uh, opening to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to be talking about warfare, temptation, the flesh, all that. I want you guys to think about this question. How How important it is... Uh, excuse me. How important is it as believers to spend daily a time in the Word of God? Just think about that and where you're at. Um, today we're all busy. We're all overloaded with information and things. But of all the stuff coming at us, is most of it a little bit? Is it is it true or is it God honoring? I'm talking about input as we go through our lives. Um, How much time do we spend on social media? Today, everyone, I mean, it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Everybody's got an opinion. But is it true or God-honoring? Some of it is, but most of it isn't. How much confidence do we have in the reporting of the news? Is anything in the news truthful or God honoring? Some of it. Do we trust our government? Is it acting in our best interests? Are we confident or concerned about our schools? What the kids are being taught? Besides maybe math or English, is God honored? Is the truth unbiased? I want you guys to think of this question. 
could any of these places, the schools, the courts, our government, the news, social media, could there be a stronghold over these things? I'm going to present basically that Satan has an organized kingdom and it's highly organized and its goal is to basically neutralize us and not to glorify God. In Daniel 10, it speaks of the prince of Persia opposing the angel that is coming to see Daniel. And uh, that prince was a demonic entity. The king was of Persia, but the prince over that kingdom and that king was a demon. So we live in a real world like this, but we also have an unseen world. And I think you guys all know that. Um, I want to read a verse out of Ephesians 6, verse 12. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation because it hits it. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of an unseen world, and against the mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Again, how much time each day do we devote to the Word of God? That's for you. Committed Christians, if we are committed to the Lord, our life will be a battleground. Demons will oppose us. But praise God, we have tools. We have glorious tools at our disposal. I want to look at the importance of God's word in all of this. I want you to consider why the Bible is probably the most important possession that you have. And if you take time to read it prayerfully, prayerfully, God will meet you and have relationship with you. So um, let's look at the world and the carnal man. In 1 John 2.16, so we understand the believer should get his power and should walk in the Spirit and be in the Word of God. The Spirit, I think you said it last night, Jeff, we, if we don't have it in us, the Spirit can't use it. How would you put that? If it's not in us, the Spirit can't bring it up. That's right. The Word of God in us. So as we look at the carnal man and the world, in John, 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust thereof. So in this verse, we see a picture of the natural man, the world that he lives in, and how his mind thinks. Satan uses these three areas, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, kind of like a a hook. Our flesh is already there as carnal people. He just baits the hook, and he brings us right in. He motivates the world through this power, uh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I mean, we see people, the news cycle will show you that, that whole scenario. Eve fell for this. In Genesis chapter 3, 6, it said, So the woman 
when she saw that the tree was good for the food. This is after a discourse which she should have never done with the devil. She saw that the the tree was good for food, uh, lust of the flesh. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, lust or the pride of life. And she took it, she ate it, and she gave it to her husband. So let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be examining our Lord and Savior Jesus. And this is at the start of his ministry. He has, chapter 3, he has been baptized by John. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The Father spoke audibly and said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And it says now in verse 1, Then Jesus, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I'm going to, you know what, I'm just going to read through it and I'll, I'll go through. Okay, uh, verse 1, then, t- then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he fasted, he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And when, the temp- and, and when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. So he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Um, I was asking myself, why was this? And I I looked in a couple commentaries. Um, I came across Hebrews 4.18. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points was tempted as we are, but without sin. So if I think about this, uh, what I came with was, so the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into temptation that he might show his sinless character and that he might sympathize about our condition. We walk by the Spirit, but we also are at war. And we, we know that we have someone, an advocate we can go to if we sin, right? First John says that. So after fasting 40 days a night, he was hungry. You know, it's funny, Johnny, I listened to you. I should have never done it. Your message back in January, I'm just going, ah. I didn't plagiarize Johnny's message, I promise. But it was so weird that almost a lot of this stuff was, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, he's, it's a better version of his. So. Um, anyway, after 40 days and nights, he was hungry. And, and, and the thing about he was hungry medically, he was starving. And he was weak, and he was in a desperate condition. So here enters in the thought of the lust of the flesh. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he's hungry, he's starving, he's in a weakened state, but he has the word of God. He has the word of God. And it's funny, Satan appeals to us in many ways. In this case, I sense that he appealed to Jesus pragmatically. It's kind of like the end justifies the means, like 
what's it's going to be okay, you know. Pragmatism can be so self-centered and carnal. It can often it's often the enemy of our faith. If we step out in faith, it's like pragmatism would say, "Are you kidding? What are you doing?" You know. But God always honors faith. So he appealed to Jesus in my view pragmatically. He suggested that Jesus would act carnally and use his miraculous power to provide food for him. After all, he was starving in the middle of the Judean wilderness, in the middle of nowhere. This guy was in a desperate condition. So he, in a way, he he asked Jesus or, or tempted him saying, you've got the resources, just do it. Um... We're going to always face temptation. I do almost every day. I'm sure you do. We're not in sin because of temptation. We're not we're not sinning because we're tempted or attacked. This is a weapon of the enemy. This is a weapon of the devil. Okay? So the target of this weapon is to hit us up in our mind. Most battles occur in our mind. And, and if we look at it, the, what's the purpose? The purpose is to cause us to sin, to doubt God's word. The warfare is played out in how we react to that. The sin doesn't happen unless we, we react and follow into it. But we have the word of God. And Jesus had the word of God, and he said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice, Jesus used the scripture to battle this temptation. He fought this battle as a man. Jesus fully God, yet fully man. He laid aside his divinity. And with the same weapon available to me and you, to to us, he came against Satan and shut it down. He used the word of God. How important is the word of God? It's, it's known as the sword of the spirit. You ask yourself uh, today, do I have an arsenal of scripture? Do I have laid up uh, in my heart scripture that I can answer in a time of trouble, in a time of temptation, in a time of difficulty? David said, I will hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The next, uh, he did it three times. The, the second time he came at Jesus, it says, then the devil took him to, a whole, to the holy city, Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This is verse 5. And said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Notice, the devil is using scripture now. He knows the word of God, but he doesn't use it for our edification. He uses it to destroy us. He said, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. That's Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. And that is a misquote. Here he 
he uses scripture but misquoting it, but misquotes it. He tries to suggest that Jesus do something spectacular, something self-promoting, actually sinful, that would force God to act in a supernatural rescue. He knows the Bible, but he will use it to destroy us. Um, in the passage, he left out to guard you in all your ways. So in the proper context, it would be, it, uh, uh, he will command the angels concerning you to guard your ways, lest you, to, and, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot on the stone. It's a completely different context. It's talking about uh, blessing and guidance, and <laughs> not jumping off a building. It's crazy the way this, this goes. Um, so this is deception. We battle deception every day, but we battle it by knowing the truth. Okay, we're in the battle. Deception, if, if I accuse you of something, you know I'm accusing you. If I lie to you, well, no, that's a bad one. If I accuse you, if I, if I yell at you, you know I'm young. If I deceive you, you don't know. Deception is terrible. You don't know I'm deceiving you. That's by definition. It's, it's a lie that is designed to trip you up, and you don't, you don't even see it coming. So 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Make every effort to present yourself approved to God, an unashamed workman who accurately handles the word of God. So how do we fight deception? We fight it by knowing the word of God. We fight it by knowing truth. So Jesus said to him again, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. There was no argument here. Jesus knew the scriptures forbid any attempt to to, uh, test God. Moving on, Satan came at him a third time. Presenting something more or less of the lust of the eyes. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. By the way, I don't know if he took him to these places. I'm, the devil doesn't have a mouth. He's maybe speaking through his uh, uh, mind. Can he be taken? I know when he left him, he's still in the desert. The devil took him. So is this a vision? Because he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all of these will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Again, uh, Deuteronomy. Um, When we look at this, if we see the kingdoms of the world in all their glory, he's only presenting their glory. He's not showing their destruction, their sin. America is a glorious nation, but it has a lot of problems. But we could always just focus on the flag and, and the beauty and all our things we've done right and just completely blind ourselves to everything that's going wrong, the uh, abortion and pornography and everything. Jesus or the saint, Satan will always come to us in this pride of life and show us you can be this, you can have this, you can be in this position, and and his his solution is to worship him. 
But Jesus says a very, you know, another thing about this, in a sense, this is a very deceptive thing because Jesus came to win back by the cross to take back the title deed of the earth. So, so this is an alternative to the cross. Um, the, 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 the works of Satan were destroyed at the cross. And uh, in Colossians chapter 2, 14 and 15, I love this verse. It says, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers. He disarmed the demons. He disarmed Satan. He's defeated and shamed them publicly by his victory on the cross. You think of the cross we've just been through. It's such a shaming experience, and yet he shamed them. He endured the cross. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you will serve. Consider this, guys. Who we worship, we serve. What you worship, you will serve. So the devil left him, and behold, the angels were ministering to him. And that's the end of the passage. In James 4, 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yeah. Um, again, my question is, how much time each day should we devote to the Word of God? In Psalm 119, it's the longest psalm, and I'll close with this. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. It has 176 verses, and every single verse is dedicated to upholding, to lifting up, to showing us the beauty, the usefulness, the blessing of the Word of God. Every single verse speaks of the Word of God and somehow how it blesses or keeps us. Um, my favorite is, I'll hide thy word in my heart that I might sound not sin against you. Or how can a young man keep his way, or a young woman, by, by hiding the Word of God in his heart? So let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time. For this word, you are good. Your Holy Spirit guards us and keeps us. And as Jeff said the other night, if it ain't there, he can't use it. And I just pray, Father, that we would understand tonight how much the importance of your word is. And commit to you and commit this day forward. As we look at this world, the only sure thing is thy word and your presence. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay.